Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. Good morning, all you revers out there in Hobland. Uh, my name is Malcolm Kite. I'm part of the leadership team, and I'm going to be sharing this morning from Hebrews 11, uh, the last in our Living Intense series. Um, Before we get into that, I just want to start by asking you a question. And the question is this, what are you looking forward to? What are you looking forward to? And I'm going to suggest that you just um, write down your answer in the chat so that everybody else in your hub can see what you're looking forward to. And then we'll come back to that in a moment. Uh, So this is the last in the Living Intense sermon series. And we're going to be starting a new series next week called Life in the Wilderness. And that's going to tie in with uh, our prayers and our meditations through the period of Lent. Now, Lent actually starts on Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday is Ash Wednesday and goes through to Easter. This series, though, has been focused on Hebrews 11 verses 8 to 10 and the extraordinary faith displayed by Abraham as he moves his family from a place called Haran and God speaks to him there uh, through to Canaan and eventually even uh, through to Egypt. So let's remind ourselves of what caused this enormous change in Abraham's life. God really met with him. Uh, We see that in Genesis chapter 12, that this man who worshipped pagan uh, gods encounters the true and living God in Genesis 12. And God makes some amazing promises to him. Three main promises that I just want to focus on. First of all, that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. We read that in Genesis 15 and verse 5. And that in itself was an extraordinary promise because Abraham didn't have any children at that point. So he's going to have many descendants Secondly, that they will become a great nation. God promises him that in Genesis 12 and verse 2. So many descendants, they're going to become a great nation. And thirdly, Genesis 12 and verse 7, God promises to give them their own land. They're going to occupy this land of Canaan. And so those were the great promises, but running alongside all that, there was another promise that Abraham understood that God was giving to him and that was the promise of an eternal inheritance, an eternal inheritance. He understood that his descendants would occupy the land of Canaan uh, but that only pointed to a future greater eternal inheritance that was to come, a heavenly dwelling place and it was that kind of inheritance that the the writer to the Hebrews was focused on in chapter 11 and then also chapter 12 verse 22 and chapter 13 and verse 14. So the writer to the Hebrews is very much focused on this heavenly dwelling place. Let's read Hebrews 11 8 to 10 again. These words are very familiar to us by now. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. 
By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. The first thing that we find from verse 10 here is that Abraham was looking forward to something. And so I just want to return to my earlier question. What are you looking forward to? Now, obviously, I can't see what you've posted in the chat, but I suspect that many of you have put down things to do with the end of lockdown. I'm looking forward for my, to my children going back to school. I'm looking forward to going on holiday. I'm looking forward to going out for a meal with friends. I'm looking forward to seeing my family. Uh, I'm looking forward to going shopping again or whatever it is. Many, many things that we can't do at the present time. Uh, we are certainly looking forward to seeing our grandchildren again. We haven't seen them since August, so it's a long time not to see your grandchildren. Uh, but there are all sorts of things that we're looking forward to. Life, of course, is a little bit constrained at the moment and even going to the recycling bin seems to be a bit of an adventure. But the time will come when, no doubt, lockdown will lift and change and we'll be able to fulfil some of those things we've been looking forward to. But I wonder if any of you wrote, I'm looking forward to living in the heavenly city. I think if Abraham was here today, he might well have posted that in the chat. You know, at a time of life, well, he was 75 years old, I seem to recall when he was called by God, but a time when he should have been sitting in a very comfortable armchair uh, by the fireside, smoking his pipe, uh, slippers on, doing jigsaw puzzles, that sort of thing. At that kind of stage of his life, God called him, spoke to him, and instead of having a nice, comfortable retirement, he spent his retirement on a camping trip. And in a sense, Abraham was traveling through Canaan, and that was almost like a prophetic picture, uh, marking out the territory that he and his descendants uh, would occupy ultimately, and that would become their land. So he had this vision of the promised land for his descendants, but he also had this vision of an eternal dwelling, a heavenly city. And it was so compelling that he was prepared to sacrifice his present day comforts, it led him to action. Now, there is a saying, some people are so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. The criticism is that people focus too much on the life after this, and they don't really take much notice of earthly matters. But it's actually not particularly fair or true. Committed Christians have always tackled social, environmental, political issues of the day. And C.S. Lewis wrote about this in his book, Mere Christianity. He said, if you read history, you will find the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. I want to encourage us to think about the heavenly city more than we do. Why is that? Uh, so that we can be more effective here on our earthly life. Now, of course, we have to have our, our minds on earthly things as well. You've got to do the shopping, you've got to look after your kids, uh, you've got to keep the flat tidy, uh, you've got to get people to school and 
buy things and all the rest of it, but we also need to set our minds on eternity. Revelation 21, 1-4 is that wonderful passage which gives us this uh, beautiful picture of the eternal city, the heavenly city. John writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. It's amazing, isn't it? No more death, no more mourning, no more crying or pain. What a contrast to what we're going through at the moment. I mean, there's plenty of death and mourning and crying and pain. It's a very sad time that we're in, but this passage teaches us that there's going to be a time when all of that is behind us. It's our heavenly destiny. Listen, if you're not a follower of Jesus, what is stopping you from committing your life to him? Because that is your eternal reward when you put your faith in him. If you repent and you turn to Christ and you say, yeah, I'm going to follow him, that is the destiny that you're heading towards, the heavenly city. Verse 10 tells us that Abraham was looking forward to a city that has foundations. It's interesting that this eternal heavenly dwelling is described in Hebrews 11 and Revelation 21 as a city. I think most people's idea of heaven is probably a bit more like fluffy clouds and rolling green pastures and mountains and and, and lakes and that sort of thing. Um, a couple of years ago, Kathy and I went on holiday to a place called Zellamsee in Austria. A beautiful, beautiful resort. And it's set on, on, on the side of a lake, a very big lake. And all around the lake are snow-capped mountains. And um, when, when you go there, you, you realise there are an awful lot of people there from the Middle East, uh, lots of Muslims. And uh, there are hundreds and hundreds of people there from that part of the world. And we had to find out why so many people came from that part of the world. And so we asked. And apparently somebody in the tourist board about 15 years before had realised that in the Quran, heaven is depicted as a lake with lots of snow-capped mountains. And they thought, well, we've got a lake and we've got the snow-capped mountains. And they started to pr promote uh, Zelamze as heaven on earth in Muslim countries and so now they, they flood in from that part of the world. Uh, what a great marketing ploy that was. But that's the kind of idea that we have, you know, that heaven's bit, a bit like that but here we read about it being a city and that's great news for you townies and urbanites who think, you know, once you've seen one tree you've seen them all. Um, a city, it's a, a regular society, it's well established, it's well defended, it's supplied uh, very well. And God 
lives in the middle of the city. We're also told that this city has foundations. In contrast to the tents that Abraham was living in, of course tents don't have foundations, but cities do. And this eternal city also has foundations. Now in Revelation 21:14 we read, and the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So it may be that the foundations of this eternal city are the apostles themselves. But many commentators also suggest that these foundations are things like the unchanging purposes of God, his everlasting love, the almighty power of God, the covenant of grace, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, the unchanging gospel message, and so on. In fact, all the things that the apostles established through their ministry, everything that God has, last, has designed to last for eternity, in contrast to the momentary enjoyments of this world. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away, Matthew 24, 35. You know, when you live in a city, everything around you looks pretty solid and pretty permanent. Uh, you've only got to think about a building like St Paul's Cathedral, which has been there for hundreds of years, and it looks pretty solid. That's not going to disappear for a long time, but it will disappear ultimately. And the only things that are going to remain are these heavenly foundations. If you want to build your life on something solid, if you want to build your life on something that's going to last for eternity, build your life on the words of Jesus. That's what he challenged us to do in Matthew 7, where he said, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So each of us can build our lives on the same eternal foundations mentioned in Hebrews 11 by not just hearing Jesus' words, but by doing them as well. Jesus was very clear about that. It's no good just hearing them. Lots of people hear Jesus' words, but we've actually got to do them as well. Hebrews 11.10 goes on to talk about this city having a designer and a builder. And it says that the designer and builder is God. I want you to notice that the builder is God, not the builder was God. You know, God is still building this city. It's going to be the future dwelling of all believers, but there's still plenty of room for new people to be added. And so again, I want to urge you, if you're not a follower of Jesus, the good news is that there's still time to believe. You could still become part of this eternal dwelling. God is designing it. God is still building it. You remember what Jesus said in John 14, uh, one to four. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. He's reassuring his disciples just ahead of his crucifixion so that they're not troubled, they're not unsettled. And he's reassuring them that there is a place he's preparing for them. Abraham 
was the father of everyone who puts their faith in God. Paul, the apostle, unpacked that truth in Romans chapter 4. He explained that Abraham was justified by faith, not by what he did. You know, Abraham certainly wasn't justified by the law because that wasn't given until many, many years later through Moses. Genesis 15 and verse 6 tells us that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And in Romans 4.16, Paul states that Abraham is the father of all those who share his faith. And he begins to explain and unpack the link between Abraham and all people of faith from verse 19 onwards. This is what he says in verse 19, Romans chapter 4. Without weakening in his faith, Abraham faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. There's this precious thread that runs from Abraham all the way through history in the lives of people who have believed God. People of faith who have shared Abraham's faith are part of that, that, that thread, that journey, that history. There is this expectation of eternal destiny. Years ago, Cathy and I used to do some children's work. We did some, a children's mission on Wimbledon Common called Mustard Seed and we had hundreds of children up uh, on the common every afternoon and we would teach them about Jesus and we would teach them songs. And one of the songs we taught them was a song called Father Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. Actually, it went like this. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord, right arm, Father Abraham had many sons. And the song would go on repeating. And second verse, you'd go right arm, left arm, third verse, right leg, and then it was left leg, and then it was turn around, then it was nod your head, and then it was sit down. And it was a great song because it just wore the kids out. But I don't think any of the kids really understood what it was about. But essentially it was about what Paul is talking about here in Romans 4, that there is this link between Abraham and people of faith today via Jesus and the cross. People who have got that uh, real faith in God uh, will share in that eternal destiny that Abraham was so clear about. Jesus died on the cross, Jesus rose again, Jesus conquered sin and death forever. He said, if you believe in me, you won't perish, but you'll have eternal life. And so those who have believed in Jesus share Abraham's expectation of an eternal heavenly city.
This series was called Living in Tents and we thought much about this journey of faith that God wants us to live. We've seen in Abraham a fine example of faith, a willingness to put aside temporal things uh, to pursue a greater goal of faith. He was motivated by this glorious prospect of an eternal dwelling in the full presence of the living God. And as a church, we've taken a step of faith too, by going into hubs. We're not entirely sure what God's calling us to next, much like Abraham, but we've put our faith there and we are going to pursue that. And I'm sure that God will show us the next step as and when he wants to. And we can be confident that he's with us and is at work in us. Paul said in Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Amen.